0: Today is the day to wake, work, and win. Welcome to The Standard.
1: Justin, thanks for being here. Thank you
2: for uh, for your time and having me here.
0: You know, Justin, last week is when we met for the first time. We were both out in Portland for Fire X Talk, and you were giving your your presentation on search. Where does your passion for search come from?
2: Um, you know, I've been mounting the fire service about 17 years, and I've had my highs and lows like I think a lot of people have. And, uh, you know, I found myself, you know, down, sitting on the, sitting in the recliner quite a bit, which, you know, I was okay with at that time. But then... Uh, when we created a new spot at uh, my fire district, the hyper rescue, I realized how much I really didn't know and uh, how bad I was at actually searching and understanding why we search and where we search and if I actually did a good job. So, uh, you know, the passion came in from understanding that I was failing at my job and I was failing our civilians and, and putting them first and being able to give them the time that they need and, and the effort and I think that's kind of where it started, is just within myself. Where it kind of continued is that uh, I started putting myself out there on the Facebook, and you know, trying to put my ego away, and started learning from others, and putting out posts that others would look at and go, "Okay, well, that's wrong," and just being able to look at that and go, "Yep, that is wrong. I need to change that." So why didn't I know how to search before? Why? Why was I so ill-prepared um, to go inside zero to low viz? And I believe it was just when I was going through school, I was being taught by equals that, that didn't have the experience. That they didn't really know the why and the knowledge. And so before the internet and before Facebook, we only learned from the people before us. And that's such, you know, where we were inbred. We were just so only knew the things that surrounded, you know, the 20 stations that are that around my fire district. And so being able to see across the country what people are doing, their passion, really led me to start looking into how can I better prepare myself for the job.
0: There's a lot of instructors teaching all different types of skills throughout the fire service. There's a bunch of people that do teach search. Uh, Brian Olson's one of them. We had him on our podcast just recently. But why do you think search is so important?
2: why it's important. I mean, I think Brian Olson just does a good job. The only, you know, he says, you know, the only thing we have to search for, we don't, we don't have to search for why. I mean, we're here for life. You know, I said it the other day, when people come up and thank me for our my service, um, you got to really think about what are they actually thanking me for? They're actually just thanking me for what they believe that we do, the integrity that we've held up for so many years. And so that passion is, is I want to have that integrity to look them back in the eyes and say, you know, you're welcome. And by doing that, is that I'm prepared for the job. I think that search should be the prop is, is the top priority on the fireground because in our it's the mission. Our mission is life. It's life, property, and the environment all across the world. But life is first. I would rather you know burn down a building, but yet pull out a victim. You know, prior to that, and so I have children now. Um, I'm a little bit more in tune on okay, where can these victims be be at. You know, how do I search for a kid um in in hoarder houses and stuff? And so that that passion just really came from my failures and then understanding that there's a better way out there. and that, you know i'm I'm pretty self-motivated, but i've been I'm surrounded by awesome captains and lieutenants and other firefighters in my fire district that supported me from the beginning. and that I started writing articles, and that these articles, you know, I wasn't the most knowledgeable in the beginning. But what it did is it put me out there. And it started allowing me to put my words on paper and actually looking into things. And actually that motivated me to be better and be more knowledgeable. So then when I'm coming on the podcast and someone asks me a question or someone asks me, um, at FDIC or in the firehouse, you know, why do we do this? Why do we do that? I want to, I want to be able to give them an answer, but I got to check my ego as well is that if I don't have the answer, then I'm going to look for it. I'm going to let them know that we're not we're not here to BS. We're here to give the facts and, and uh, not make stuff up and actually have integrity and hold each other accountable.
0: When it comes to preparing for the job, you mentioned your family. How does having a family, like having kids, a wife, how does that come into play as far as you know, how you prepare for the job?
2: Yeah. you know, I think it came down to, uh, there's actually a, a call I had, a pediatric call that was the same age as my eldest daughter, looking at the parents' eyes and seeing the frantic on the scene and that they were all looking at us to uh, save this child's life. And that it was my job to be prepared for that. And as, you know, I'm a, I'm a paramedic. And so I need to know my job to save that child's life. And I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I wasn't prepared for that, uh, for that medical call itself. Now, if we go back to fire, that's the same. If I'm not, you know, if I look at a, uh, at a house fire, it, every house fire is my house fire. Every call we go on is my call. You know, some people say it's not our emergency, but it really is. That's the oath we took. I'm just that kind of person is that, you know, what I believe in is is the mission and actually, you know, holding ourselves accountable and just is the truth.
1: You teach with Brothers in Battle. How did the whole group start?
2: So Brothers in Battle is, uh, is actually a, as a group of there's a couple groups that were uh, there's a group out of Idaho and a group out of like the Portland Northwest area. And uh, they were teaching on their own a few years back. And they, they had the same mission, and they started doing forcible entry and bringing more of the East Coast mentality of forcible entry back to the West Coast. And they noticed that their mission was the same. And so a few of them came together and started Brothers in Battle as, a, as an, an all-out effort with each other. And so the mission is to honor firefighters who have made the ultimate sacrifice. We do this by continually pursuing the practice, skill, and trade of firefighting and sharing it with others. That's what we're about. When we go and put on a class, bar none, we put in more time and effort prepping for the class to make sure that every student comes away with at least something. We don't have the only way, but we have a way, and they're proved methods. You know, we put in the time to do the prop building, the prepping. We work short lunches. We have long days. We don't do eight-hour classes. We do 10 to 12. We go until the students quit. You know, we'll work until 8, 10 o'clock at night. It's within us. We want to actually spread the poison, as you'd want to say, and then and make everyone better, because that's that's really our mission. Some of the classes we put on are like this basic forcible entry with the iron saw work, VES Beyond the Door, First Do for them. And then also uh, the, the firemanship conference in, in Portland that's been going on for a couple of years. So um, we're definitely starting to spread out a little bit more. We're getting invited to, uh, you know, some Harrisburg. A couple of our guys just came back from Harrisburg teaching. And that uh, whenever we go over there, we're learning from East Coasters and, you know, and Harrisburg fire and what do they do. And that just makes us better and realize that we can always improve. People say, you know, when you stop learning, you start dying. And, that, you know, I believe that's the truth. And we're all about continually learning and spreading that word. We don't want to hoard it. We're not doing it for the money. We're literally doing it for the passion.
1: Yeah, I think you're doing it right. There's a level of input you have to have to be able to enjoy this job. You need to go above and beyond if you want to make an impact and I think you're doing that.
2: That's so true. You know, first and foremost, you got to it goes back to our families. Every one of our families, you know, we we all hold the same kind of values. The you know, the mission, the vision, the values. And our family, you know, my, my children take a little bit of toll when I go out for a week and go teach, my wife, but they understand because they believe in why we do it. You know, we're not doing it to go on vacation. We're doing it because we love it. You know, one of the things that we started, few of us started doing was a firefighter rescue survey that we when we started to go out and teach, we started, I started asking around, you know, why do, why do you search? Why do you search the way you do? Do you search countertops? Do you search cabinets? How long does it take to search a bedroom? Like, what do you search for first? We have statistics from NFERS and whatnot of, you know, our civilians that die every year, around 2,500 in, in residential structure fires. We also have line of duty death stats, but we really don't have what our successes are. How many, how many grabs have we really had each year? And what we're trying to collect, very specific data. You know, did the assignment order, um, who found them? Did fire attack find them? Did RIT find them? forcible entry who you know who really found them and where did you find them you find them on the floor on a bed under a bed how many people did it take to pull them out you know it says you know with our statistic, you know we have about 500 at this time but it takes three or more firefighters to take out one victim well when you're going through a search it takes a lot of effort you know let's just say we're going to VES. we're going to we have to size up the structure be cognitive where we're going to be what room we're going to be we're going to you got to go and, and, you know, grab ladders and our tools, go down the terrain, throw the ladder, climb the ladder, take the window, take the sash, you know. Sash, knowing the difference between a wood and metal and a vinyl sash, there's a lot of difference in how you strike it and how much effort it's going to take. So the time that we make it to the interior, heart, our heart rate's already up. But we need to still be cognizant of what kind of room we're in, where we're at. And so reading the conditions, being able to isolate fire versus isolating a room, you know, be able to take doors and continue our search. So, you know, really being able to be fit and understand that. And and I understand people can go in the gym and we can work out, we can run, we can do push ups. But like you came out a couple weeks ago, if we started working out towards our job and actually performing a search, if we started masking up, forcing doors Performing searches, doing tripod, a two thousand square foot structure, taking, you know, taking doors off of hinges, pulling victims out, understanding how to take them out a window and, and picking them up and, and understanding how many people it takes, that is is actually allowing us to be fit for our job more than going in there and doing curls. And that's something that I, I try to do more in our academy, that what are the specific tasks that we're actually trying to perform?
0: I mean, the biggest part to all this training and taking it back to your own department is just having an open mind and and be willing to learn because i know what i the one thing i took from your presentation among many but the biggest thing was tripoding and how efficient it is and using your hands and i brought that back to to my guys and you know we all learn so i mean that's that's got to be the biggest thing is is keeping an open mind and always wanting to learn new techniques
2: it's exactly what we get paid for and then and to uphold the oath that we took it's just to get better every day and and no matter who you are in the fire service if you're a one-day firefighter or a 10-year firefighter everybody's looking at you they want to know what you know if you're up there and getting more reps they're watching that and then when they see you succeed in a fire they they start relating it back to oh it's because they actually go out there and throw ladders every day pull lines You know, you mentioned the tripod the tripod is not easy. It it takes a lot of effort, but that's where our victims are, is on the ground. You know, it's a little bit more effort to tripod. But the thing is, is everything that does for you, get your foot out in front of you so you can start feeling the floor. Or if there's stairs, it gets your eyes up, allows you to have two hands to search for victims. But that takes effort and time to be able to get to that point. You know, be able to be fit and be able to, uh, you know, do your stretches and be limber, right? So when we do a life-fire layout, when you're going through a, through a structure, you force a door, you know, down a hallway, and you have to get your eyes below the smoke, you know, get below that, that smoke level to see. You know, you can't do that if you're not fit. You know, be able to get down and get up right away and move on. But as you're down there, if you're fit, you're going to be able to be cognitive and understand what you're looking at you're listening to the fire, you're looking for the fire, you're listening Are you l- listening for victims and your partner, you're looking for the furniture, and you're actually understanding, oh, I'm in a bedroom, I can isolate this room. I ha- If I find a victim, I could take a window and I could take him out the window. I'm gonna be able to search, to have a bed to search and a closet to search. There's so many things that lead up to this. And that's one of my passions, it's more about like orientation and what it truly means because when I was taught about orientation, it was about one person stays oriented and you either stay on a wall or you're on a hose or a rope. And to me, it's more about all of us grew up in some type of structure. And if we're cognitive of what we grew up in, well, what really makes sense is, is that we, we just know what we know. We, we know that beds are typically in bedroom.
1: I think we can all agree that search is the most physically taxing thing we can do on the fire ground. You clearly have a passion for fitness as well, but how are you taking that passion for fitness and translating it into being ready for the job? I, I don't
2: have a typical routine. That's one of the things that when I start getting on typical routines, I might be great at, at doing one thing, but if I don't have a routine, then I'm out there and I'm, I'm either running one day or I'm throwing ladders and pulling lines and you know crawling around structures and forcing doors, and I just get in there and start training 'Cause the more training I have and the more worn out I get, I take my mask off. You know, one some of my brothers, you know, taught me, hey, you know, do it under conditions that you're already stressed out. So take your mask off, you know, do it again. Do a three sixty, throw your throw your mask on when you're climbing a ladder after you start to wear out. Cause that's where you're gonna start getting your efficiencies is being able to to be torn down and be able to work at the same pace and the same cognitive of where you've been. So typically I I don't really go in the gym and just have one kind of weight. I go up and I look at them and I just started lifting weights and wearing myself down and then try to perform my job. I might might do a little bit of workout, you know, 30, 40 minutes, and then go out there and throw some ladders and try to hit those windows with efficiency, pull lines and understand, you know, where that nozzle goes and and, uh, how how setting up that hose correctly the first time, taking an extra five seconds is going to allow us to be more efficient when we're pulling it, pulling it through the structure. You know, I'm not that typical uh, workout dude. I'm a, uh, I don't have the brain for that. I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm I'm, all over the board.
0: Justin, two questions here, two parts. What's been the most rewarding part of all the training, all the teaching you've been doing, but also what's been the most frustrating part about it?
2: Like truly, like the most rewarding is just how I feel about myself and my job is that, I I care about the job and I can look I can look back now and go, yeah, I did it. I I bettered myself and by the end when I when I end my career, when I retire, I want people to say, "You know what? That guy was a good fireman." That's all I want. You know, that's that's mo- going to be the most rewarding in the end. It's just understanding that there's always something to learn. For uh, adversity, I've been through it. I've been through quite a bit of adversity, you know, putting myself out there. That ego check is an everyday thing. I have mentors that I talk to all the time. We all need to start, you know, be able to ego check ourselves. It's hard. We all have them. But, um, you know, for adversity, you know, you're, if you can check that ego and understand that every time that you're put down, that someone questions you, that you don't have the right answer, that you fail, is actually depending on how you deal with that as a win. Believe me, I have failed to bring a Halligan in multiple times into a house for multiple different reasons, but I have learned every single time that's a dumb idea. Whatever it takes, I need to bring my helligan in. There's plenty of, of, of reasons why you need it on the interior.
1: You talked about having mentors. How do you go about choosing one?
2: You know, I, the mentors, I have mentors within my own fire department, and then I have mentors outside. The ones that are my mentors on the inside are the ones that have gone through the most adversity in my department. And the ones that actually came to me and started supporting me. And that's when, you know, you realize like, wow, this person's taking some heat for me. Looking what they do. When you're jealous of somebody, you need to understand, okay, why am I jealous of them? I need to be more like them. I don't need to, you know, distant myself from them or be jealous. I need to be, figure out what do they do that I want to be like. So I have definitely um, a, a captain, especially a captain in my, 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 uh, my fire department that continually supports me when i go through adversity he goes through adversity and uh, he sticks up you know he does the right thing going and choosing on outside my fire district is you know one of them is brian olson that uh, we connected a few years back but we just both had a passion for search and you know neither one of us fight fire every single day but it's not all about who fights the most fire you know who has four person rigs it's about what do you do on those fire grounds and how do you prepare for that and just his his passion and the way you know his minimal ego and how he goes about things it just makes me want to be that much better so i came into the fire service not knowing much and then now throughout these years just failing and then seeing others and their passion and then being able to see people to be able to put, put away their egos Makes me gravitate towards them. They're good people on and off duty. Another brother in Bella, Cody Trust trail he gives more time and effort to helping others than anyone else I know in the fire service. His family is very involved. His wife, Andrea, she tunes more Halligans than probably anyone in the nation. You know, she helps build the door props. I mean, that is a mentor. You're getting your family involved. You're uh, including them. And that's what it's about. I mean, our, if our families don't support us and we don't have something to go home to and that we can appreciate, what are we here for?
0: Are there certain calls or things that have happened throughout your career that have propelled you to the next level of investment or just the next level of preparation? Like, Have there been things that just have made it more of an impact or have you know taken you from a low season to a high season in your career?
2: You know, just, just surrounding myself with people that are, that are pushers themselves, that are passionate. Um, during the firemanship conference this year, I was, a, I was a, able to assist Chief Lombardo in teaching some B.S. beyond the door. And watching him teach other, you know, other students, um, he was bailing in and out of windows for two days straight and showing uh, you know, hundreds of students what to do. It was muddy. It was cold. It literally was snowing outside. It was uh, in February this year, and he gets out. Uh, he he's belling out the window midway on the second day, I believe, and he falls in the mud. He doesn't stop, but he keeps going. I have a picture of it. I'm looking at it right now, and he has the attention from his students, and they're looking at him as a leader. Well, why? Because he's showing them, and just standing up just behind him and seeing him work keeps me motivated to better myself. Going, yep. That guy is a chief. He's Chief Lombardo. He was, you know, he has made it up in the fire service, but yet he is doing the same work that all of us want to do. But he's getting himself dirty. And and that right there is a true leader in the fire service.
0: That's just leadership 101 right there. I mean, if you want people to buy what you're selling, better show them, better lead by example. If you're just sitting on the sideline pointing, you know, I'm not interested.
2: Yeah, that's so true. I don't know if you guys know Simon Sinek, but that's someone that I listen to and he talks about the why. You know, people, you know, how do we establish a search culture, you know? It's like if people believe in your why, they'll believe in your message. And you know, I believe in we can we can truly save lives. That's literally why what why else would I care about search? is cuz I, I truly think we can save lives. And then you can go into how do you do it? You know, you do dedication and time and passion. And then, and then what do you get from it? Like, what, what's the end goal? You know, you have pride and integrity and stuff. But, but if, if you don't have a true why and people don't believe in your why, as Simon Sinek would say, it's like, then, then, then you're missing the boat.
0: Yeah, authenticity is big here. So, I mean, if you're going to be doing it, um, you got to have a purpose. you got to have a why. And people got to believe that that's why you're out there.
2: Oh, there's truly a purpose. If they, if they call 911, they have a reason. They can't go inside and save themselves or save their, save their loved ones. We have a mission and that's to go and get inside and perform that search, hit that fire with the water, ventilate that structure, you know, save their life, their property and, you know, and the environment. I mean, we have a mission it's already set for us.
1: It seems to be that roughly 20% of the people at a fire department are completely invested and they don't need to be pushed. There's another 20% at the bottom that no matter what you do, you can't get them engaged but there's that 60% in the middle that can kind of go either way. Do you agree with that? And if so, how do you move those people into that top tier?
2: Yes. My fire district is creating a culture of extinguishing and search. But I you know, gra- you're talking about grabbing those uh those middle road fellows that uh they're not anti what we're doing, but they're not necessarily partaking in everything and buying off on it all. One of the things I've actually started focusing on is it will take time. This is a long-term goal. If you think you're going to change culture in a day, in a month, in a year, it's probably not going to last even if you did. So one of the things that our department started doing is we started spreading the wealth. We started making disciples, right? Our training division allows us, we start having cadres. So we have a search cadre, And we allow others, even if they're not the best at search, but if they can come in and start learning and doing what we do and start spreading the word for us, that's when you start getting the buy-in because it takes people. It doesn't take just one. It takes a group. So when we start focusing on our academy now is that we have 14 coming on in a few weeks is that that's 14 minds that we can start molding. But what happens from there is that, those 14 minds goes out to 14 different shifts and they start helping spread the word, the passion to those that aren't as involved. And it's, it's just so important. And we've seen it happen over the first, like probably the, like the last five years of that, that funnel of, of growth. And you're talking about, you know, grabbing some of these people is it is uh, we had, we have a firefighter that, that makes a grab. Well, I want the young ones to make the grabs. Why? Because they have a higher impact on the ones that surround them. Because new firefighters, they might not be thinking that they're going to make that grab or uh, be able to you know, make the difference. But when they see a firefighter that is you know, a couple years in that has done it, and then you praise that firefighter. You ask them, what did you do? What was it like? You bring them into your group. That is where the success is. We have to praise them and stop criticizing everybody. And be able to criticize yourself first, but then also, you know, let them know that hey, they did a great job.
0: I mean, that's also something you're gonna have to deal with when you put yourself out there. You're gonna have a lot of people who who hate, and it's just par for the course. You know, you're just gonna have to brush it aside and, I, you know, just, Keep pushing forward. That's the yeah, mission. Yeah, you, you got to just stay on your mission.
2: You know, you talk about the you know the naysayers and whatnot. It's like you know we can't focus on them. They're watching us. Let's be you know I like to like to spread the word. Let's be positive. When uh, we go out to teach, we, wanna, we don't want to talk about all our stories and try to throw jokes out. I want to talk about our failures for myself. That's what people relate to. They see that we're actually just like them. And uh, I just want to you know thank you guys for uh, allowing me to come on here. I hope to be back uh, sometime soon.